Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Gary. I'm the youth pastor. And I've got to tell you, I am so excited to have this opportunity to preach this morning. It truly is a privilege to be able to come up here and preach. So I'm excited. Now, keep in mind, this is only the second time I've ever preached in, in what we refer to as the big church. Okay. So I'm still a little intimidated, but Lord willing, he'll get me through it. Whether good or bad, right? We'll see at the end. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Well, it is Family Sunday, so we have all of our little children in here with us this morning. And for that reason, yeah, he's waving to me. For that reason, I'll try to keep it somewhat brief for the mother's sakes, okay? Because I'm sure my wife will appreciate that. But also kind of at a simpler level for the innocence of our children as well. Now, children, the thing is, unfortunately, I don't have Manfred the Moose this morning, okay? I'm sorry, but... We are learning about a Bible figure who does some pretty awesome things with the power of God. But before we get into that, first of all, I want to mention our teens and how awesome it is to see them actively serving God with their gifts and talents this morning. You saw it out. Yeah. <laughs> you saw them greeting. You saw them handing out bulletins, doing the hub. Um, some were up here on stage worshiping, doing announcements. It is so cool to see them uh, putting their faith in action like that. And, you know, we really have been blessed here at Faith with a great group of teens who love God. And obviously, they're flawed human beings, right? Just like the rest of us. <laughs> but they're trying to become more Christ-like in their walk with him. And obviously, this is not the easiest time to be a teenager, considering all the influences and the temptations that they face. But you know what? God is faithful. God has given each one of them a way out of the temptations that this world has to offer them. And hopefully through the biblical teaching and training that they receive with Miss Janet and all the great teachers over there, and also through youth ministry, all the great leaders we have through the small groups and all that training, hopefully they will have the knowledge and the wisdom to be used for their creator. Well, I have taught part of this lesson in senior high youth groups, so some of the senior hires have already heard this. But I want you as parents to see what your teens are being taught. So this morning it's not going to be too fancy or too deep, but I do hope the message resonates with some of you. I hope it gives you a fresh view of your faith and a passion to act upon the words that are spoken this morning. Now, please don't misunderstand me. <laughs> I do not mean that I think I'm capable of inspiring you to change or follow God by the words I speak this morning. I don't mean that. However, I do know that the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you as a believer can do some amazing things with a receptive heart to his words. So for that reason, I do pray that the Holy Spirit will speak through me um, to give us accurate and biblical insight into what God desires for all of us to hear today. Well, maybe some of you are familiar with the term Generation Z. Now, this is the generation right after millennials, those who were born from 1995 to 2015. That's Generation Z. And really, as a youth pastor, this is my targeted audience. And it says that Generation Z makes up to 25% of the U.S. population. So we're talking about a large group of our mission field in this Generation Z. Now, on top of this large group of Gen Zers is that a large percentage of them struggle with fear and anxiety. Realistically, it doesn't take all that much observation to see this, whether it's in our schools or in our stores or even in our homes. So many of them uh, struggle with anxiety. It's prevalent in so many of today's generation. Now, 
since we've picked on our teens and seen their struggles, let's take a look at our own generations and see if we're just as bad. So anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S., affecting 40 million adults in the United States, age 18 and older, or 18.1% of the population every year. You may be saying, Pastor Gary, why are you sharing these stats with us? Well, honestly, it's to show us that maybe it's easier to pick up anxiety in our younger generations, but many of us adults right here in the church struggle with this as well. And we've all been given a solution to the problem, which we're going to get to a little later on in the message. But there is such a thing as healthy fear. However, this fear that we're talking about this morning that causes anxiety is a distorted fear as a result of the fallen world that we live in. So it's important to distinguish between the two. You know, the late Billy Graham said, historians will probably call our error the age of anxiety. Now, anxiety is the natural result when our hopes are centered in anything short of God and his will for us. But just for fun this morning, okay, I want to show you guys some of the biggest fears of the American people. And this is according to the Chapman University survey on American fears. Now, standing right at number one is public speaking, right? And this is with 75% of Americans, And I've got to tell you, outside of a lot of prayer (laughs) and the boldness of the Holy Spirit, I'm right in that mix. Public speaking is not necessarily my thing. Another one is heights, bugs, snakes, other animals, drowning, claustrophobia, flying, strangers, Sasquatch, darkness, clowns, ghosts, and the list goes on and on. But kids, think about some of your fears, maybe spiders or snakes bad guys, or the boogeyman? Always remember, God is bigger than the boogeyman, kids, all right? But you know, we've all had a time when the hair on the back of our neck stands up and we are stricken with fear. We've all had that time. But as I said before, some of these things on this list are a healthy fear. But if we knew what spiritual forces were all around us, as it says in scripture, (laughs) we'd probably all be absolutely freaked out. Right? We've all seen the movies where there's a whole other world around us that we can't see. And that's creepy. But as we're going to see this morning, even though there is so much in this world that's out of our hands and that tends to give us anxiety, our incredible God has everything in control. And that's how we can be calm, peaceful, and joyful in his arms. In fact, Paul says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, the idea of not fearing and having peace during turbulent times, it is beyond our comprehension. We can't comprehend that. But imagine that, right? Humans are not the pinnacle. There are things we don't understand and we won't comprehend. But fortunately, God has given us the Holy Spirit as a helper to open our eyes to see his work. So simply put, we have nothing to fear in this world because he's in complete control. And now these stats on anxiety that I've read this morning should not include and it shouldn't scare us if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Well, we're going to start off this morning in 2 Kings chapter 2. And this is to give you a little bit of the context of what the sto- of what's going on in the story. 
But even though we're in the book of Kings, we need to know that we're not focusing on the Kings this morning, but rather on the prophets, mainly one in Elisha. So we're going to start off second Kings chapter two, verse nine. When they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. He said, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Well, it is kind of a strange and difficult request. And really, Elijah's probably not even too sure if it's going to be granted. And now this double portion that we're talking about probably refers to the law of the firstborn, who had a double portion of the property of his father. So Elisha may have considered himself kind of like the firstborn of Elijah. And so he requested a double portion of his spiritual influence or a double share of his spirit. But interestingly enough, throughout their ministries, Elisha performed exactly twice as many miracles as Elijah performed. Verse 11, as they were going along and talking, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw Elijah no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. Okay, so Elisha sees this chariot being pulled by the horses of fire. It sweeps in between the two of them, picks up Elijah, and carries him off into heaven. Now, the fact that Elisha saw what happened revealed that he was granted his request. <laughs> but what is odd is you would think Elisha would be thrilled about this, right? Doing a little happy dance. Woohoo! He got his request granted. However, he's stunned and probably in awe after what he just witnessed. Verse 13 he also took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and returned and stood by the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and struck the waters and said, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the waters, they were divided here and there and Elisha crossed over. We're going to see Elisha succeeds Elijah here in verse 15. Now, when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho opposite him saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. You know, I imagine the prophets probably saw what happened to Elisha because if he came running back and tried telling them what happened, they probably wouldn't have believed. But Elisha was put in the position to succeed Elijah without question. All right, let's scoot over to chapter 6 and see what Elisha's up to. This is Second Kings 6, 8. Now the king of Aram was warring against Israel. And he counseled with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. Then the man of God, which is Elisha, sent word to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Aramans are coming down there. The king of Israel sent to the place about which Elisha had told him. Thus he warned him so that he guarded himself there more than once or twice. So now God allows Elisha to get this information from the king of Aram that he's telling his officers in private of where the army's going to move and when they're going to strike against the king of Israel. It's important to know that earlier on, a couple chapters back, that Elisha had the gift of prophecy. So Elisha was able to get this information and relay it to the king of Israel. So the king of Israel could vacate the spot and move from harm's way. So if you think about it, Elisha is basically the mole inside the king of Aram's army even though he's located a long way off. 
And you know, this proves that God even knows the plans of the wicked. Verse 11, Now the heart of the king of Aram was enraged over this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you tell me which of us is for the king of Israel? One of his servants said, No, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and take him. Well, the secret's out of the bag now. The king of Aram is irate, and he wants Elisha dead. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. He sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. Now, when the attendant of Elisha had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And Elisha's servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Okay, so it's not looking good for Elisha and his group of guys, right? In fact, they're extremely nervous and anxiety is taken over. They can clearly see that they're outnumbered and about to be beaten. Well, if you watch the news, or really you don't even necessarily have to watch the news to know that there is a lot of bad stuff going on in the world today. You know, a lot of bad stuff. And we're not just talking about what's taking place around the world or even across the country. We're talking about right here on our own doorsteps in Waterville, Maine. For example, there's the law that takes our taxpayer money to pay for horrible acts and then broaden the number of practitioners who can perform these acts. There's also the Waterville Children's Bookseller recently hosted an event, which I'm sure most of you know what that is, and I'm not going to say for the sake of our children. And there's the new conversion therapy ban that I'm sure you've heard about. Now, we can go on and on with the absolutely wicked and detestable things that are taking place in the world today. And I think we can all agree that this world is full of evil and bad news everywhere we look. In fact, the more bad news we hear, the more anxiety piles on. And it becomes so easy for us to focus on the negatives and feel like we're losing the battle. I mean, everywhere you turn, you see a new agenda that's against Christianity and our religious freedoms. And in our public schools, you see absolute indoctrination of not only just our founding fathers and true historical facts, but really of Christian values and beliefs. And our children are taught that truth is relative. It's how you feel about it. Not absolute how God feels about it. Anybody else getting anxious just hearing all this? Yeah, <laughs> anxiety is rising. But as we work through this text, I want to give you two biblical applications to help us overcome anxiety through these turbulent times. Number one, recognize what God's doing around you. Be aware of his work. Verse 16, so Elisha answered, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, the servant of Elisha is probably thinking, what is this old guy doing? He lost his mind, right? They clearly have way more troops and the upper hand. What is this old guy thinking? Verse 17, then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You know, the young man was so focused on the negatives and the inevitable defeat by this large number of troops that he missed out on the biggest fact, that God had everything under control and there was no need to be worried or anxious at all. In fact, when he saw what God had done, 
he had a new strength and new confidence in knowing that God was active and alive in their very lives. Well, three years ago from this summer, exactly, when I was going through the process in hopes of becoming a state police, I had passed my alert test, my physical test, and some other tests, and now it came time for the oral board. Now, the oral board is where there's at least three or four state police lieutenants, captains, and some other guys sitting on that side of the table. And now you sit alone on this side of the table, and they ask you all kinds of nerve-wracking questions and try to get you to break. Well, leading up to the oral board, I remember sitting out in the hallway at the Criminal Justice Academy, nervous as could be. I was sweating it out big time. I was so afraid I was going to mess things up and ruin my chance of moving on. But I remember so clearly praying and asking God to settle me down and let his will be done during this oral board. I kid you not, after the prayer, I was completely calm. In fact, I had a peace beyond comprehension. I was able to go in there and articulate and explain the answers to all the questions that were presented to me. After the oral board, the officer stood up, shook my hand and said that I did an excellent job. A week later, I received a letter in the mail that I was moving on in the application process. Now, please, I tell you this not to brag on how great I did because I was an absolute mess. I was an absolute mess. And I guarantee you God blessed me simply because I relied fully on him. You know, when we try to do things on our own, we fail miserably oftentimes. And it's usually with a lot of anxiousness. But if we trust in him, then we'll know that he can take care of whatever it is. And we can be calm and trust in him. All right, number two, we must act on our faith in him. Don't sit back and wait for God to do all the work. He invites us to be part of the process. He wants us to get that blessing from being part of it. Verse 18, when they came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people with blindness, I pray. So he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. So even though they had God on their side, They had these chariots of fire all up and around waiting to come in and slay all the troops. Elisha didn't sit back and figure, eh, my work here is done. I can start getting ready for lunch, right? No. In fact, he became proactive by praying and being led by God in the next strategic move. See, as they charged, he prayed for them to be blinded. And that's exactly what happened. They were blinded. You know, when I talk with the teens, I try to show them that they should still study for the test. (laughs) You know, you can pray and ask God to please help you ace that test. But if you don't study, there's a good chance you're still going to fail that test. You know, we should pray, but God also wants us to act on our faith in him. You should pray and study just like Elisha prayed and acted. Verse 19, then Elisha said to them, This is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he brought them to Samaria. Now, I want you guys to picture this with me, okay? Because you have a large group of trained warriors, probably all big, huge guys. Now, they're feeling their way along (laughs) because they've been blinded. So uh, I'm not exactly sure if that's completely blinded or if their view was just kind of uh, uh, their sight was a little bit tainted or whatever. But regardless, Elisha comes out and tells them that he will lead them to the right city and to the man that they're looking for, which, of course, is him. So... Whether they're completely blinded or their view of just him and Samaria was tainted, either way, this was like leading a lamb to the slaughter. The city of Samaria was waiting to attack and wipe them out completely. 
Verse 20, when they had come into Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. Then the king of Israel, when he saw them, said to Elisha, my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? (laughs) You need to understand that the king knew these guys were trying to kill him for quite some time now. So he was probably extremely eager to kill them off so he could have a peaceful night's sleep. You know, I, I love watching Alaskan shows, any Alaskan shows or any survivalist shows. And I recently watched one where they dropped the guys off alone on Vancouver Island. Now, the first couple nights, the guys could not sleep if there was a bear or cougar in the area. You know, and eventually they had they had trouble sleeping basically every single night until the bear and the cougar were either killed off or moved out of their campsite. And this is kind of how I picture the king of Israel felt. He was eager to kill them off so he could sleep peacefully that night. Verse 22, Elisha answered, you shall not kill them. Would you kill those you have taken captain with your sword and with your bow? Set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. So you've probably never had someone try to kill you. At least I hope you haven't. (laughs) But you probably have had someone who is a jerk to you and enjoyed making you look stupid. Um, You know, instead of trying to get back at them and having revenge, what if you prayed for them and were kind back to them? You know, fleshly, that's probably how Elisha and the king of Israel should have felt. But instead, he served them with food and drink and spared their lives. And Luke 6.27 spells it out perfectly for us. But to you who are willing to listen, I say love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Now that's not an easy verse for us to swallow, but that's what Christ wants us to do. Verse 23, so he prepared a great feast for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master. And the marauding bands of Aramaeans did not come again into the land of Israel. What a crazy ending. They fed the prisoners and sent them on their way back to their land. Now, I imagine, really, I do hope that at least a few of the Aramaeans that day believed in God after what they had seen taking place. You know, you may have some coworkers who do not like you simply because you're a Christian. Maybe they want to destroy you, socially speaking. But instead of trying to seek revenge on them, what if you prayed for them and you were kind back to them? Hopefully, they would see the way you live your life for God. And eventually down the road, when they get in a tight spot, just like the Aramaeans did, hopefully they'll remember your faith and your kindness through it all. Because God can use us even in the smallest of ways. It's so important for us to know that God's in control. We don't have to be nervous or anxious with the mess that this world is in. We need to pray that God will open our eyes to see what he's doing all around us. So this morning, open your eyes and see God at work in your own life and how he's constantly pursuing you. Scripture says God has sent angels to protect us and we have nothing to fear. You know, nothing's more encouraging than to know that someone has your back. So be encouraged because this isn't just someone. This is the one and only true creator who promises that he has our back. And like Allstate says, you're in good hands, you're in God's hands, right? You're in comforted hands. Well, last year we brought a group of teens out to Camp Fairhaven, and they had this awesome thing called Leap of Faith as part of their ropes course. So basically you hook into the harness, 
you hike up the ladder and then hike up the tree up about 20, maybe close to 30 feet. And then you stand on this tiny little wooden platform that you see in the picture. And of course, the day we did it, it was rainy and wet. <laughs> but as soon as you look at the look down from the platform, things start running through your head. It is so high. It's so slippery. The harness is uncomfortable. The helmet is smelly. The ladder is sticky. But as soon as you jump, all those thoughts disappear. And you can completely enjoy the leap. You see, when we take our eyes off the evil in this world and see it through his eyes, we won't be anxious. And we'll have a peace beyond what any of us can comprehend. God wants us to take our eyes off the junk of this life and enjoy that ride that he has us on, even through the trials that we face. Now, to close this morning, I want to simply just read what Paul instructs us to do in Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9. He says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. If you would, please stand and join me as we close in prayer. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to gather this morning. Lord, I truly pray that you were glorified by the worship and also by the words that were spoken this morning. God, please help us to know that we can fully rely on you and you're going to give us that peace beyond what any of us can comprehend. Lord, help us to always find comfort in you, even through these turbulent times. Lord, please bring us all home safely today. In your name, amen.